Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sammy Parker's favorite Dolphins podcast, and that is The List. As always, my name is Brett. On the other end of the tin cannon string is Jordan. Jordan, how you doing today? Who's Sammy Parker? You'll find more about that later. You oh, will okay. find. Yeah. Uh, it's a very topical name from today in Dolphins Twitter. Uh, and of course, Does as always. Do you know who we are? No, we'll get into that in a second. We'll, we'll get into it at the end of the episode. You'll, well, you'll get a kick out of it. Well, um, then I'm doing okay. Thank you for asking. How are you, Brett? Pretty good, you know. Told you I was about to put my boss on the list at the end of the day for giving me two projects right before the holiday weekend. But we are past that. A week from today, I am going to be in South Carolina with my hanging with my dad, but also hanging out probably with our producer extraordinaire, Zach Jackson, as they live in the same town. Yeah, you better so, get a haircut. You better get that little mustache trimmed because we're going on camera, buddy. You better be ready. Well, the mustache will be trimmed. I don't know if the haircut will happen by then, but well, I will try. Fucking figure it out, Brett. Cheese and rice. I'll have Ashley do your makeup. It'll be fine. Hell, Ooh, sounds like I'm getting the star treatment. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Nah, it's going to be a fun time. Uh, before we get into our picks, of course, as always, big bowl games coming up. Well, we're still not in the big bowl games, but bigger bowl games. Uh, a couple things in Finsland since we last had an episode. We did work out former Dolphin defensive tackle and Dominican Sue. He is uh, in his mid-30s now. Don't know how he's going to be doing, but uh, Jordan... Would you uh, bring? Would you sign Sue if given the opportunity? Absolutely, I one thousand percent would. Um, I've said on this show a number of times that one of the things I don't understand uh, is the fact that we don't have much interior defensive line depth, um, and I think that bringing him in, uh, he's a guy that even with Philly the last couple of years um, and when he was with Tampa. Uh, he's kind of latched on to contenders late in the year um, and played decently well. He's still um, a guy you can rely on, maybe not for a full season, but uh, for a game or two down the stretch. Um, obviously, he has a great relationship with Stephen Ross, which is well known. Um, I would love to bring Sue back. Uh, and you know what? Bring Sue back. Bring Jarvis Landry back. Um, who else can, Who else is out there that we can bring back? Does Rashad uh, Jones play football? Uh, I was just going to ask about Charles Clay. We keep asking for a tight end. Ooh, Anthony Fasano. Uh, Fasano might be a little old now, but I, I would. Uh, Anthony Fasano was one of my favorite Dolphins for a couple of years there. Yeah. What do you think Randy McMichael could do right now? I don't know, but I follow him on Twitter. He's a he's an interesting Twitter follow. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely bring Sue back too, because as good as Sealer and Wilkins have been playing, and Raekwon Davis, he doesn't fill up a stat sheet, but he has his job. We only have Deshaun Hand as a D tackle. So. Right. We need more. We need one more guy. And yeah. if that guy is Sue, um, I think that allows you to just stick Agba outside completely. Um, and I think gives you a little more just um, comfortability going into a playoff game. Um, and one more thing you really don't have to worry about because people are bound to get hurt. Yeah. Yeah, no, so bring someone like that who, even if he doesn't have the greatest reputation as a player, he is looked at as a leader. And like you said, he has a great relationship with the owner from his time here. It's unfortunate that we had to cut him because Mike Tannenbaum screwed the cap so poorly, but these things happen. Uh, The other thing I wanted to bring up with the Dolphins, hard knocks, as everybody knows, going on. 
I don't really watch a lot of it, but I see clips. I think pe- seeing a couple clips that went viral, I think people gain more and more respect for Mike McDaniel, both in and outside this fan base, every week just because of this show. Um, the two moments I wanted to bring up, I'll, this, I'll bring up the later one first and then the main one, is he called a shot with the Waddle touchdown. Oh, he totally called his shot. That was so cool. I don't know if I hope everybody that's listening to this has now seen that video. If you haven't, go watch it. That is awesome. He told multiple people. And you know what the best part about it was? And maybe they just didn't show it. But to me, the best part of that whole segment is that after Tua threw the touchdown the first play, McDaniel didn't like turn around and say, I told you so, or any of that. He just looked like he knew it. Like he knew it the whole time. He he just like, why does he need to tell you I told you so? Yeah. That was well, that was a as the kids would probably say, like an I'm him moment. Yeah. Is that did I do that right? Yep. An I'm him moment. Yep. And the other thing noticed too is as soon as he noticed he had the coverage, he just started laughing. So but Yeah. That, and two of And I love Tua's new uh what is it, the talk to me thing? Yep. That's cool. I like that. That's uh, a yeah. That's a, that's a, we're starting to have little Super Bowl team characteristics and I like seeing it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Me too. And uh, the other thing, and this is the big one from the week was his speech and the day after the Titans loss. Yeah, I saw that one. That one was cool. Um, it shows accountability um, and it's, it's what as a leader of men um, and I take leadership classes and, and find leadership fascinating. Um, that, that's a very strong trait of a leader being able to step in the way he did, um, and talk them, be honest with them the way he did uh, about what it is. Um, he, cause McDaniel was, had a big, big part of that loss. Um, and I think he took great accountability for that. Um, and it, it spoke a lot and was a big reason why once you saw that you knew the jets had no chance. I also had to laugh because one of the plays you and I complained about the most after the Titans game was the end zone fade to, uh, I believe it was said, uh, said Wilson. Um, and McDaniel just called that out. He's like, why the fuck am I calling a deep fade on a one yard line against cover zero? And right. I didn't notice so it was cover cool. zero at the time, but I was like, damn, well, not many coaches would do that. Yeah, it's great to see. And, and that shows... Um, but he's comfortable. He's not afraid to make mistakes. Um, and it, it shows the, the faith the organization has in him um, and the faith the team has in him. And when everybody in the building is comfortable, uh, I think it kind of yields the results you see right now. Oh, absolutely. Um, before we go to our picks, just talking about coaches as well, did you see the rumor that came out, the report saying that uh, Ben Johnson, who we all agree is probably going to be one of the favorites to become a head coach next season, is apparently asking for $15 million a year to become a head coach. So I did see that. What is, what is like the average coach get? Like, what was Brandon Staley making? What's Kevin O'Connell making? Like, so before, I, do you know what those guys all make? So what, what is $15 million in the grand scheme of things in NFL coaching money? He would be the third highest paid coach in the league. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. And, but... Is he the highest paid assistant right now? That I don't know. But like, just to give you an idea, here were the uh, going into the year, here were the top 10 highest paid coaches. Uh, Bill Belichick at 20 mil, Sean Payton at 18 mil, Pete Carroll at 15 mil, Sean McVay, Vic McVay at 14 mil, 
Mike Tomlin at 12.5, Andy Reid at 12, John Harbaugh at 12, Josh McDaniels at 10, he is now fired, Kyle Shanahan at 10, and Mike Vrabel at 9.5. So It's crazy that he's asking for more money than Mike Tomlin and Andy Reid. Yeah, That's th- the crazy one. That has to be a misreport, don't you think? Um, no, because of how how valuable coaches are. We're back in a time uh, where coaching is valuable again. Um, coaches for a little while were seen as replaceable, and you needed to pay the money to the players. Um, now, I mean, if you have the right guy, you can you can scheme some things. Um, and I think teams are going to with the valuation of teams going up so high. I mean, the the head coach is a really a senior level position in an organization. So if you're looking at a big company that nets what, I mean, I don't know how much the average NFL team nets. I would assume it's in the hundreds of millions uh, per year. Um, so I think paying one of the top couple guys in your company uh, 15 million is not. And I think coaches moving forward are going to start realizing that. Yeah. Uh, I just did a quick Google search. It said the average for coach annual salary for coaches as of this year is 6.6 million. Look up, for example, how much did let's say the Miami Dolphins profit last season? And I would uh, love to see that compared to like what does a guy like Tom Garfinkel make? What does a guy like Chris Greer make? Okay, so this is I don't know how reliable this is because it's from Sportico. Um and I like I said, I really don't know how reliable it is, but it looks like for operating profits for 2022, Miami was at 128 million. Okay, 128 million profit. Yeah, if I'm reading this right, and that would put them one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I would put it's 12th in the NFL. So you're making 120 million profit. And and people are all that's with everybody getting paid. So you don't think a head coach has the right to ask for fifteen mil when he's the one every day that has to go talk in front of the cameras? Like, and he's yeah, the the quarterback and the head coach on the majority of teams are the two guys that take the brunt of everything. So if Ben Johnson's going to be a valuable spot then yeah, maybe we should start looking at guys who are going to make that much. They do in college. True. Now, just to be clear as well, that was just profit. If you look at revenue, according to uh, Statista, the uh, Dolphins had a revenue. Statista of Batista? Looks like it. (laughs) Yeah, but it says Miami, the revenue for Miami was $600 And Revenue versus profit, you're looking at money made, money taken home. So, realistically, Miami's making bank. So, eh, it's fair. So, I think, I think, I mean, look at the look at the payout Jimbo Fisher got. Look at the money these college coaches are making. Yeah, that's going to trickle down to the NFL. And I think that that's here to stay. I mean, the money, the price of everything is going up right now. It I couldn't indeed. imagine. I couldn't imagine if if Mike Tomlin or Andy Reid went on the open market right now, what what they would make a year if teams could just offer all of them money. I would not be shocked if Mike Tomlin 
does hit the open market because I think we're kind of getting off track here, but don't you think at this point, as great of a coach as Mike Tomlin is, it's about that time for him and the Steelers to kind of go separate ways? But the Steelers don't do that. They don't. They've had three coaches since the 60s. So I, I don't know. You would think, but I mean, Mike Tomlin's not Belichick. No. Like, it's not, he doesn't, he's not because he's too old. Yeah, they've gotten a little stale, but they're competitive. They're right there in the playoff race every year. Um, they don't have a court, they need to hit on a quarterback. But I think that I could see Tomlin staying, but I could also see if Tomlin wants a new opportunity, feels it's getting stale, wants to start over. I could see Mike Tomlin trying to find somewhere else. Yeah. No, I th- I just think it's kind of that time for uh, – you just kind of know. It was like the same with uh, Andy Reid going to – leaving Philly to go to Kansas City. It's just – it was just time. Um, but on that note, it's about time for us to get into our college picks. I believe if Mr. S gave the right stats, you have made a comeback. And I believe either either we're tied or one of us is up one game now. I don't have the stats off the top of my head. Let me just double check that. But you have made a great comeback with these picks. We'll call it tied. Yep. It actually is tied. Well, actually, you are up by one. So I am 44 and 26. You're 44. You're 45 and 25. And we are going to start with the Gasparilla Bowl, a.k.a. the Georgia O'Leary Bowl, as Jordan's UCF Golden Knights take on the rambling wreck of Georgia Tech or the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, who Georgia O'Leary famously led to a share of the national title back in the early 90s. Don't know how many people know that. Um, and last I saw George O'Leary will be the, uh, honorary captain for both teams for the coin flip for this game. He's going to be the captain for both teams. Yep. That's funny. That's good. That's a good touch. Yeah. So these are two very different teams. It feels like Georgia tech. They went away from Paul Johnson's triple option, tried to go to George Collins, more spread. And it was a disaster. Uh, under their new coach, it looks like they're trying to go back to the triple option, but they're kind of in that no man's land where you don't really have players for either system. Whereas UCF has Gus Malzahn as the head coach, as you know, and UCF, it feels like as long as I can remember, well, not as long as I can remember, ever since George O'Leary left, it's always been that spread, fast pace, spread the ball around. Uh I know you haven't been thrilled with UCF most of the year, Jordan, but I feel like this is an easy win for them. I just I just don't think Georgia Tech has enough. And a big reason why Georgia Tech is bowl eligible is because Mario Cristobal is an idiot. Yeah, it's definitely because he's an idiot. Um, I think UCF wins this game, uh, and I think it primes for UCF fans to have some shit uh, that they could talk on Miami fans heading into the offseason. Um, I, I think that it's John Rice Plumley's last college football game. So I anticipate him being um pretty fired up to play. Um guys like RJ Harvey, um, guys like uh Javon Baker, um, guys like Kobe Hudson are gonna wanna be uh potential NFL draft picks. So I, I could see they have guys along the defense that are gonna want to be NFL draft picks. 
Um, I think that this is a game UCF wins. Uh, UCF, I know we're going to talk um, about National Signing Day and everything I have to say about National Signing Day. I'm going to say right now, um, people complaining about how UCF performed on National Signing Day. Uh, we haven't gotten a big quarterback recruit yet. We had the 29th best uh, recruiting class in the nation, according to two different publications. Uh, UCF is on the rise as a football program. Uh are we Florida State? Are we Miami? They put together top five um, programs uh, for National Signing Day. No, we're not those teams. But the fact that you even have to have a conversation about it means that UCF, as such a young program uh, in an elite program, is doing great things. I'm proud to be a UCF Knight. Uh, I'm proud of the program. Uh, and I hope nothing but the best, starting with a win uh, in the Gasparilla Bowl which is going to be tomorrow from the time we're recording this. Yeah, no, this is uh, definitely going to be an interesting one, I think. Uh, but it is very, like I said, a very good end of the season for UCF. And it's a great way to for a team like UCF, um, who, to remind a lot of people, is now a Power 5 school to build momentum into next year with the extended playoff. Uh, the next game we have listed as the Military Bowl, which is Virginia Tech versus Tulane. Virginia Tech got in on rivalry week by destroying the Virginia Cavaliers 55-17. They look like they have a quarterback now, kind of, with Kyron Drones. Uh, Not the most accurate, but he did have 244 yards and three touchdowns in that game. Uh, Tulane, of course, lost their head coach, Willie Fritz, to Houston. I believe they're hiring John Summerall from Troy now to be the replacement. Very good replacement. I'm going with Tulane. I just don't think uh, I, I like Brent Pry as a coach from his time at Penn State. I don't think I realized how big of a rebuild Virginia Tech was from the Justin Fuente era, but it was ugly last year. It's slightly less ugly this year. So there's nice building blocks. I just think Tulane's a better team. Yeah, Tulane's a better team. Uh, they're going to come into this game fired up. Uh, after losing Willie Fritz to prove that they are um, still one of the elite in that conference. Um, Tulane probably felt like they should have had uh, a New York Six Bowl or a New Year's Six Bowl, and they probably had the talent on that roster to do so. I think they beat Virginia Tech probably by about two scores. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, now I'm going to do a game that I would have been interested in, but uh, not so much anymore, is the uh, Dukes Mayo Bowl. And that's North Carolina versus West Virginia, and that's because Drake May has announced he's opted out. Uh, as of right now, he is looked at as a top five pick, the number two quarterback. We have talked about Drake May a lot. Uh, Jordan, you, would you be surprised if Drake May became the number one quarterback by draft time? Yeah, I don't think Drake May is becoming the number one quarterback. I think it would be very, very difficult um, for anybody to overtake Caleb Williams at this point. You could actually see um, if you're listening and go to listpodcast.com. I put out an article today with projections um, on what quarterbacks I think will be with what teams um, come next year. It's a It was a fun article to put together, so go check it out. Um, I think Drake May is kind of cemented at number two. Um, I think a team could get fancy and go with a guy like Jaden Daniels, um, but at this point I think it's going to be Drake May. And uh, they're going up against the West Virginia Mountaineers, uh, who you would have thought, based off of listening to the fans, had a worse year than they did. They were 8-4. and four. They were actually two plays away from being 8-2. and 
or ten and two. Right. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you a funny story. Um, so as you've said before, I coach football, and after the games, um, me and other coaches, we go out and have some drinks. Um, we went out after one of the games, and we're sitting at a bar, and we usually sit at the same exact table every time we go. And one time we went to this bar, and there were ladies uh, all dressed up in West Virginia gear um, that were sitting in the table we always sit at. Um, do you know what happened in the uh, West Virginia-Houston game from earlier in the year? Oh, is that the one where there were like two Hail Marys with like 20 seconds left? Oh, so we're at this bar. We just walk in and sitting at our table are these West Virginia ladies. And West Virginia threw a touchdown pass with like, it was like nine seconds left or 19 seconds left. Something ridiculously low. And these ladies start screaming. You would have thought that West Virginia just won the national championship. They were going absolutely nuts and they're talking and they're going off. They're ordering more drinks. They're ready to go. And, uh, Houston throws a hail Mary at the buzzer of the game to win and scores in the end zone, uh, to beat West Virginia. And these ladies were crushed and the entire rest of the bar other than those ladies erupted. Like it was one of the loudest moments I've heard that wasn't like a championship game or a big fight. It was hysterical. Um, I say that to say, I don't think West Virginia wins this game. Um, I'm going to give it to North Carolina, even though Drake may is not playing. I think a lot of the money because of that will be on West Virginia. I think North Carolina wins the game. Um, and I think they win the game very close. I'm actually going the other way, and I think West Virginia is going to win very close. And it's just because North Carolina is one of those teams that was expecting to compete for the ACC title game or the title. They didn't get there. Drake Mays opted out. I don't know if they have any other big opt-outs, but this just feels like for North Carolina, it's a letdown. West Virginia, uh, if you listen to their fans, like I said, Neil Brown is the worst coach ever if you listen to their fans, and he's... I think it's because he says you should be happy winning eight games of West Virginia, which fair with West Virginia. Um, but you can't say that. You can't say it, but it's fair, especially with NIL deals and conferences getting bigger. It's not the Rich Rodriguez years anymore where you can just get kids who can't qualify at other schools. Yeah. But, I'll go so with West Virginia. Yeah, I'll go with West Virginia. Uh, Garrett Green had a good year, 15 touchdowns uh, passing, but he also had 13 rush touchdowns. Um, I just think North Carolina, North Carolina is not going to be up for this game. They're just kind of going through the motions. And now on to the Texas Bowl, which is an old Big 12 rivalry, I think, with the Aggies going up against Oklahoma State. Uh Oklahoma State, like I said so many times this year, the Bedlam was their Super Bowl. I think they, they well, they did. They lost a couple games right after, including the South Alabama. They were able to recover against BYU to get into the Big 12 championship game, but that game wasn't even close against Texas. Uh, Texas A&M, right now, you're just seeing all their players go into the transfer portal. Uh, the Overturn brothers just left. I think forget where the, the left tackle committed to, but they're former five-star uh, players. Alabama. Oh, he went to Alabama? Uh, yeah, and it was shot. a defensive end. His name is LT, but he's a defensive end. 
I thought they were brothers. There was an end and a tackle. Uh, yeah, the tackle's not as good. Okay. So I got that mixed, mixed up then. We both like the Mike Elko hire, but that's for next year. I just don't think the vibes right now around the Aggies are very good. I think you need to get Elko in to build the culture. While Oklahoma State is very Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, I just think they're a better team right now, so I'm going with the Cowboys. Uh, yeah, I think that Oklahoma State will be able to run the ball. Um, I think that they'll be able to run the ball a lot. Um, I look for Ollie Gordon if he plays to have a big game. Um, I think Oklahoma State beats Texas A&M, um, and Mike Elko realizes he has a lot to clean up after the Jimbo Fisher era. Okay, and now on to our wild card. Uh, Jordan, there's a couple interesting matchups for this, but I am going to go with the guaranteed rate bowl, which is the Kansas Jayhawks versus the running rebels. Uh, Kansas, of course, for anybody who doesn't know, their offensive coordinator, Andy Kotelnicki is going to Penn state. Didn't know a lot about him beforehand, but a couple of the, uh, Twitter follows I do, including one, I believe is named Dwayne coach, Dwayne Casey or Dwayne Carey, excuse me. He highlighted a bunch of plays that Kotelnicki has, designed and he is very underrated a very innovative coach and would not shock me if the Penn State move catapults him into a head coaching job in the not too distant future Uh, Barry Odom on the other hand comes into UNLV which I believe is historically one of the top five worst if not the worst uh, FBS teams uh, programs in the country and one nine games and got to the Mountain West uh, championship game. These are two teams that are very high scoring. We both love the head coach of Kansas. He's a program builder. Shocked he didn't leave to Michigan State. But this should be a fun game, and I am going to pick Kansas to beat UNLV in this this game. Interesting pick. Um, I, I do like Kansas in that game. But I think UNLV uh, is going to su- surprise some people when they watch them. Um, I'm going to go um, to the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl, and I'm about to do something very dangerous, Brett. I'm about to live life on the edge. I'm going to pick against a military team in the Armed Forces Bowl. You know how dangerous that is? That is very dangerous. Um, so this game is between James Madison and Air Force. Um, This game is very interesting because I believe, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, I think I read uh, Jordan McLeod is actually playing in this game uh, despite being in the transfer portal. Um, Uh, I believe you're right. I think it's an opportunity for him to showcase himself and for James Madison to celebrate the season that they just had. Um, I think that they slipped up in that double overtime game at app state. Um, and if that game didn't happen, you could be talking about them in a New York six, New York, new Year's six bowl. I'm struggling with that today, but in a new Year's six bowl, uh, instead of Liberty, because they really have just as good of a resume, if not better than Liberty outside that one, um, little slip up. Um, so I think that they come into this game against air force an air force team that has struggled a little bit, 
uh, to finish the season. Um, showed some weaknesses in a couple games. I think James Madison can run the ball. Um, Air Force lost four consecutive games to Army, Hawaii, UNLV, and Boise State. Uh, I think they lose five straight to finish the season. I pick James Madison to win this game. Some interesting games out there, and I agree. I think James Madison would actually also, no disrespect to Liberty, but I think James Madison might have had a better shot against Oregon than Liberty does. I don't really think either have that good of a shot, but still. Well, Liberty Liberty has no shot. No, they're going to get destroyed. And uh, speaking of college, yesterday was early signing day, national signing day. Jordan, you talked about it earlier. Um, we're also covering this because easy guess. You know who number one and two in the country for top recruiting classes were? Ohio State and Alabama. Alabama and Georgia. Alabama and Georgia. Ohio State was four. And shout out the former Dolphin Brian Hartline. The, the tradition of him just getting stud wide receivers continued. As yeah, Ohio State, right? Down here, they did Jeremiah Smith, but they also got Mylon Graham, two two more five star wide receivers. Yeah, they uh they they load up. They already have some receivers uh, waiting in the wings. They grabbed two more studs. Uh, Ohio State is really turning into wide receiver factory. Yep, and that's all because of Brian Hartline. Now, of course, the issue with Ohio State, if you look at their classes, they have elite wide receivers and they get elite corners, but the uh, trenches are all kind of the the uh, three to two to three star or not two, but three to four star guys. Um, so that does kind of catch up to them. But after Bama and Georgia, Miami and Mario Cristobal are the number three recruiting class in the country, including they had a late switch where they got a five-star defensive lineman out of Chicago named Justin Scott to commit to them. But looking at their class, they do have, Arguably their best class since Randy Shannon was the head coach. That's awesome. And it's great to see. Um, although I'm a UCF fan, I still like to see Miami succeed. Um, so it's great to see um, them doing what they're doing. And I know FSU wasn't far behind them. Um, I know FSU is potentially looking uh, to leave the ACC. Um, so it, it's going to be an interesting um, little bit of a future here for those two programs. Oh, yeah. And for those who didn't see, it's not that they're looking. They had an emergency uh, regency meeting or regents meeting today to see how quickly they can break their contract with the ACC to get out. Um, Their goal is to get to the Big Ten. But I think you and I were discussing earlier. We don't think they or you don't think they have or you might even know that they don't have the academic standards for the Big Ten. It's not that I don't know. I don't think Um, it's just kind of my assumption. Um, what I do know is that in order for um, a path to go for FSU um, to the SEC, which I think is what FSU would prefer, um, I don't think it would really make sense financially because the Big Ten is going to offer more money to get a Florida school. So for those that don't know how it works, um, is you get more money per conference um, by being in a new state. So markets are essentially states. And the more states you're in, the more you can split TV rights. Because as we saw for the Dolphins game, for example, uh, the Dolphins are in a bunch of states against the Cowboys. In college, it's a little different because you want to be in the states of the schools. The Big Ten right now is not in the state of Florida. The SEC is in the state of Florida. And the 
and the ACC is in the state of Florida and the Big 12 is in the state of Florida. So it would really help the um, Big 10 to add a team in the state to their portfolio. Now, what would help FSU is if the Big 10 went after a school like Miami. Miami, a private institution, would fit the academic requirements of the Big Ten. Um, I think that I don't think they they think they can compete with the Michigans and Ohio States. I'm not sure, but I think they fit in very well with the mid tier of the Big Ten. Um, and I, I think that that would be a better fit, which would also open the door for a school like FSU to possibly go to the SEC, which would open up for Louisville and Pitt to go to the Big Twelve. Um, and would open up for kind of a, a another uh, wave of realignment, which we all know is going to happen because it, the uh, networks are all in on the SEC and the Big Ten now. And uh, I don't know if it's still the case, but I I know for a while the case was that the Big Ten had the best revenue sharing of the conferences because of the Big Ten network. Yeah, and that Big Ten network is valuable. Uh, and will get more valuable if they add another state to their portfolio, which is why you'll see, and it, it might not happen right away, but you'll see the Big Ten uh, push to add, e- they might push to add both, but it would be in their best interest to add at least one of Florida State and Miami. Yeah, I do think it'll happen within the next couple of years. Uh, the interesting one is Clemson, because it sounds like they've learned that they don't really meet the requirements for either the SEC or the Big Ten from an from an institution standpoint. Yeah, and isn't Clemson's in South Carolina, right? Yep. So the SEC is at no um, kind of – there's no bias there. They don't need to get into the state of South Carolina because they already have South Carolina. So Clemson's a type of school that while it would be great to add them to the SEC, it would be a cool little portfolio builder – um, at the same time, it wouldn't benefit them. It would hurt them uh, from a financial standpoint to add Clemson. It would cost the other teams money, specifically the University of South Carolina. So Clemson's in an interesting spot. Uh, they don't meet the requirements of the Big Ten. However, uh, you'd see um, Clemson, you'd see the Big Ten add another state, and you'd see Clemson get to face other good teams. But at the end of the day, I think best case scenario for Clemson uh, themselves is to get added to the SEC because that gives them the best path at a championship every year. Yep. Just to close up on uh, National Sign Day, Michigan just had a typical Michigan class. You load up on four-star tackles, a four-star running back, a, four, a couple four-star tight ends, get some four-star edges, and get a five-star quarterback. It's only the 15th rated class in the country, but Michigan's basically decided since that disastrous 2020 that they're going to recruit more the character of the kid and they're going to bank on a bunch of former pro coaches to develop high schoolers into at wide receiver corner and linebacker which hasn't not worked out for them in recent years yeah no that's a that's a good formula for success and what michigan has going on right now um i assume that class has a little bit of question marks whether Harbaugh will be their coach the whole time. Um, But that's why there's the transfer portal. um, And those guys think probably that they'll have Harbaugh at least next year. Speaking of the transfer portal as well, Michigan got the number one linebacker 
Uh, it's trying to look for his name real quick, but that's the other thing too. Like a lot of people do not want to look at, or some schools don't want to look at the uh, transfer portal as much, but Michigan has hit the transfer portal very hard the last couple, last two years. Ohio State is starting to. Bama is finally starting to. I think Clemson's the only big school that really isn't looking at the portal anymore. A lot of people don't like it, but that's the way you have to be in college football anymore. I just don't like these one-year contracts. I don't like feeling like everything's going to change every year. It doesn't feel like there's any loyalty to schools anymore. Um, The school you went to used to mean something, um, and now it doesn't. So um, I, I wish we had a little more loyalty. I wish that they they cut out the middleman. We stopped NIL and no different than getting a job at the bookstore, no different than getting a job at a restaurant on campus. I think these kids should just literally be employees of the institutions and they should sign contracts. No different than kids sign contracts with pro teams. Um, and, and I also think that coming out, you should have to get your AA at a school before you should transfer before you could transfer to another school. No different than if you go to community college, you take your two years of community college and go to the other school. You should have to at least go two years, get your AA, not just go two years and be ineligible. Go for two years, get your AA, and then you can transfer, and then you can transfer a second time as a graduate student. Yeah. yeah I agree. Um, I think that's fair. I think that's fair for all parties. No, I agree. But enough about college for now. And then next week, it'll be Thursday because I am, like I said, I will be traveling down and hanging out with Zach on Wednesday. So Thursday is when we'll pick some more college games. On to the NFL picks. And before we did this, I added this. I don't want to pick this game, but I just thought it was worth talking about. It is, as I described it, the movable force versus the stoppable object. And it is the Jets versus the Commod- the Commanders. The Jets have the 32nd ranked offense in the league. And the Commanders have the 32nd ranked defense. Is this the ultimate toilet bowl, Jordan? Yeah, this is one that I'm probably not going to tune into. Um, <laughs> uh, it's not interesting in the slightest. Um, and there's no real reason to talk about it. Uh, I think that just simply because I'm playing against Brees Hall in fantasy, he'll probably have a good game, um, and th- that'll lead to the Jets winning. Um, but I also wouldn't be surprised to see uh, the Jets slip more into oblivion. I guess for the Dolphins, it'd be better if the Jets win, uh, so the Jets have a lower draft pick. Uh, I guess you could look at it this way. And the Commanders losing um, would help if the Patriots happen to win a game, give the Patriots a lower pick. So if you want to look at it from a sick draft standpoint, you could think of it like that. Um, but I think the we're not picking it, but go Commanders because I don't like the Jets. Yeah. I, I might watch this game. One, because it's the early game and we're not on until 425. There but has this to like, be something better to watch. It will be, but this is like this is like crash TV. It's like looking at a car crash. Yeah. Like... Can you imagine those that father and son, the New York jokes, how great their video is going to be, like riffing this game? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. 
I okay. don't. I I just can't imagine. Like if I'm a Jets fan, where is this game? I believe it's in Washington. Ugh, even worse. That place was a dump. Yeah, uh, it, it ain't great. I, I couldn't imagine going to a Jets Commanders game in Washington in that stadium. Ugh. Yeah. So on to our real picks, and we are going to look at again a game of interest to us as the Bills take on the Chargers. Of note or of interest going forward, Jordan Phillips, former Dolphin, also a certified pain in the ass, dirty player. Psychopath. Was a psychopath too. Was placed on IR, so we know week 18 he will not be available. And that is noticeable because as much of a lunatic as he is, he can be a pain in the ass on the field as well. Yeah, for one play a game, he sucks. I hate Jordan Phillips. Yeah. That was the story when he was with us was he would make a great play and then get a dumb penalty. So yeah, sounds about right. And that's just about what he did in Buffalo. Yeah. As much as I'd like to pick the chargers, I can't cause Keenan Allen's out now too. So they're already down Herbert. So they got Easton stick in Austin Eckler really can't get going. I guess the hope is you're a Dolphins fan is that the chargers get the new coach bump since they have Roman Reigns, Reigns' old college coach as their new head coach now. But, like I said, it's Easton Stick. And it's there's no Keenan Allen. Like, I... Knowing how Buffalo's played this year, it's going to be close. But I think this is a game... This is going to be a similar score, I think, to the Dallas game last week. Yeah, I think Buffalo runs away with this. Um I think that the only way you could have picked the Chargers um, were if Herbert was still there. Honestly, probably if Staley was still there. I don't know if even the new coach trick is going to do it. Um, I, I think Buffalo's kind of locked in right now. Um, and I, I think this is a game they win. Um, I don't see them losing any more easy ones. Yeah. Next up, Browns versus Texans. Texans had an impressive come from behind. I don't well. Maybe not impressive. They had a come-from-behind victory last week uh, with their backups in. I think Davis Mills and Case Keenum. I think Case Keenum started, but Davis Mills came in for a Hail Mary. But Or I don't think they actually alternate it. But we're still a good come-from-behind win. Don't know if CJ Stroud's playing or not. No, he's not. He's out. He is out. I knew it, I knew yeah. it was still questionable. Uh, the Browns have found life with Broadway Joe Flacco. In 2023, something I didn't think I would say. Um, if Stroud was playing, it I is. watched that game last week. He didn't look too bad. He didn't. Of course, I don't know if it's because he didn't look too bad or the rest of the quarterbacks the Browns have suck. But the rest I saw of the quarterbacks like, pretty much in the league suck right now. True. And Flacco has just as many 300-yard passing games as Deshaun Watson does this year. So well, I'm so happy that. that didn't work out for them. Yeah, it it, sent, it it would have sent a poor message if it did work out. So sometimes the universe and karma come through for everybody. Yes, and but, in this instance, it definitely did. Yeah, but I am picking the Browns. They're just Stroud's out. Their defense is still playing at another level. And David Njoku is taking a step up that many people thought he had that he hadn't shown yet. So I think the Browns, I think it's going to be close, but I think the Browns win this. 
yeah, we're going to be in agreement here too. I'm going to take the Browns. Um, I just trust Flacco more than I trust Davis Mills or Case Keenum. Um, and I, I think that the Browns are um, a team that you kind of um, – you you don't mind seeing in the playoffs. I think there are teams you definitely worry more about. Um, but the Browns aren't going to be a team that I'd love to see in the playoffs. Yeah, but Browns staying in front of or keeping pace with Buffalo is something as Dolphins fans as we want to see. So I would okay definitely prefer to see the Browns than the Bills. I will say that. But I'd also rather see the Colts. I'd rather see yes. the Steelers. And- I'd rather see the Texans. There's Yes, there's a lot of teams. I'd rather see game three, Raiders versus Chiefs. I'm actually going to go with the upset and go with the Raiders. Chiefs still just keep watching them. They just don't look right. They were bailed out a lot last weekend against a bad Patriots team by the refs. and. Kadarius Tony is now officially a meme, if he wasn't already. The fact that they haven't cut him yet, I think, speaks more to the quality of anybody who's not Rasheed Rice on that ride receiver core. But I just think the Raiders are getting momentum. Like, yeah, they scored 60 points against the Chargers after scoring zero the week before. But that defense is playing so nasty. I think. The Raiders want to avoid. The players want to avoid a repeat of when. What was the special team coach's name? Rob, Rob Brasha, Brachia. Yes, that sounds about right. You probably. Yeah. They'd rather. They'd rather make sure We're a guy who has. We are not, but they want Antonio They're Pierce not. to be the head coach, and the best way to do that is to just keep playing hard, keep playing nasty, and keep winning. Now. The other side of it is you may miss out on a quarterback because you keep going up later in the draft board. And I don't think AOC, uh, O'Connell has Aiden O'Connell, O'Connor. No whatever. politics. Yeah, no politics. I don't think he's shown a lot, but I think he's shown enough that he may trick them, which long term may not be the greatest. But to beat the Chiefs, to hurt the Chiefs' chances for playoff seeding, I just feel like I just got a feeling. I think the Raiders are going to pull this off. Yeah, I don't. Um, I'm going to take the Chiefs. Um, I I think that uh, this is that they beat up on the Raiders. If the Raiders were going to win this game, I think they were going to win it last time. Um, I don't think they're going to win it this time. I think the game's going to be very similar. Um, in which I I think that the Chiefs will um be down early and kind of wake up. Um, and yeah, I think the Chiefs know. Um, that they need to change things heading into the playoffs. Um, they're not really in danger. I mean, they are, but they're not in danger of really losing their division. Um, I, I think they need. They know they need to wake up, and I think it starts this week. Final game before we go to the main event, the Ravens versus the 49ers. I've actually gone back and forth on this one. Is I think the Ravens defense led by Mike McDonald is going to give Brock Purdy some looks he's not used to. I think they are going to put pressure on him. He's not used to getting, especially with, with Trent Williams in there. But at the same time, as good as the Ravens have been, 
I think their offense falls asleep a little bit too much and tend to get turnover prone at times. Whereas while Brock Purdy might be one of the favorites or is one of the favorites to win MVP now, and I don't necessarily agree he's at that level, he's playing at a very high level and he just doesn't turn the ball over even with some of these looks that may make him struggle. So I went with the 49ers just because I just think they're playing better, but this was a tough game. Yeah, so there were there were a couple things that stood out to me about this game. Um, and you know when it comes to the NFL, I'm a big, big believer in motivation. Um, I like picking games off of who's going to come into a game, who's at the right spot in the season for the regular season game. And there were a couple things that stood out to me going into this game. The first one was that Brock Purdy's the favorite to win MVP. That's the first thing. Who do you think gets most motivated by Brock Purdy being the favorite for MVP? Lamar Jackson. Probably Lamar Jackson. Second, the Ravens, I think the last time I looked, are five and a half point favorite or five and a half point underdogs. Guess who gets motivated by that? The Ravens. So you have a motivated team with a motivated quarterback coming in for a night game. I think the Ravens pull up the pull off the upset on the road. Um, I'm going to take the Ravens by six points. All right. So nice variety from our picks. As we go on to the main event, the first game we have Fox's number one pairing is our announcers as the Miami Dolphins take on the Dallas Cowboys. After watching Dallas play against Buffalo, my first thought is we need to ride Raheem and uh, HN as far until Dallas tells us that shows us they can stop it. Dallas's defense, I could be wrong, but I feel like they are are undersized, especially at linebacker, and they are built around the pass rush, which sounds like a no-shit comment that you want to have a good pass rush, but it feels like their defense is almost too much built around the pass rush. It's kind of like us with when we uh, had Adam Gase as our head coach. You get the pass rushers, and when you're up, it looks great, but when the games are tied or they're close or you're down and you can't rush the passers, you're going to get you're going to get punched in the mouth. So I do think that'll happen again. I think Tua is attitude-wise on a different level right now. He's got that chip on his shoulder, probably the biggest chip I've ever seen from him, which is saying something. I think Mike McDaniel has a chip on his shoulder right now. Uh, I think Cedric Wilson is going to have a chip on his shoulder going back to going to play Dallas again. So I'm actually going to, my bold prediction will be a Cedric Wilson tutty. I am going to pick the Dolphins to win 31-24. And I think it's because of the run game. And Dallas just doesn't like to commit to the run. And I think when Miami decides they want to, they have proven on multiple occasions that you can't stop us when we commit to it. So it may not be Tua's biggest game stat-wise. I think this might be his most efficient game we have. He may take some sacks, which are fine. You're going to take sacks against uh, Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence. But I'm expecting us to make this a very easy game for him, rely on our running backs, 
and just make the game sh- do a rare thing and make the game shorter. Yeah, I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head, but I think you're missing a key element. I think you got to run the ball, um, but I think you got to run the ball outside of the numbers. I, I think you got to get out on in the corners um, and get up field, and I, I think you'll have a lot of success doing that. I look for this to be a game um, that you see you see a Dolphins team similar to the Buffalo Bills team that you saw in the game against the Dolphins. When we talked about um, we're facing a Bills team that's coming in mer- very motivated. This should be the most motivated Dolphins team that you see all year. They're coming in the biggest home game of the year. They're to this point. They're coming in with all the we can't beat a good team. We haven't won good games. We we struggle against good opponents. We struggle with the lights on. Then the best thing going into a game like this. Now it's not the best thing for the season. But the best thing going into a game like this is they had the slip up game. They had the Tennessee game. And I think if they were gonna if they won the Tennessee game, I think this would be a little different. You'd say they haven't really played anybody. Are they going to be awake? Are they going to be expecting to roll over another team? But the fact that they already had that game where they kind of let up on an opponent, I think you're going to get a different Tua. I think you're going to get a different McDaniel. I think you're going to get a different Miami Dolphins team. I think you said the Dolphins win by seven. I'm going to say the Dolphins win this game 34 to 13. Wow. Yeah, and the other thing to add is I think we saw as well is – Dak Prescott showed that if you put pressure on him or even get or get physical with his receivers, he struggles. He holds on to the ball too much. Buffalo is able to do both. I think we'll be able to do both as well, just with how Sealer, Wilkins, and Chubb are playing, as well as Ramsey. And it sounds like X is going to be back. Tyreek Hill sounds like he's going to be back as well. It just feels like we match up well with, with, with yeah. Dallas. And I think we're going to take a little bit from a couple of our losses. I think we're going to be physical on their corners, similar to the way Kansas City's corners were physical with us. And I think we're going to take the motivation aspect, similar to the way Buffalo did with us. Um, And I also think, and you want to laugh, we're going to take the alternate jerseys, just like Philly did with us. So we're going to to take a little something from all of our losses. Um, And I think that this is a very, very big game um, for the psyche of the Miami Dolphins. Because if you win this game, it makes right. you feel like you can beat anybody going into Baltimore. And you really will only need to win one to win the division. Yep. And a win does lock us into the playoffs. So that's... We're basically 99% there, but... It's not a lock yet, but the win locks us in. But... Yeah. No, it's just going to be a... Interesting game, and like I've said before, my little brother is a Dallas Cowboy fan. Uh, this is his last year at home before he goes off to college, so I am going to make sure that I have a lot of fun watching the game with him, and there's going to be a lot of trash talk. And now that he's 18, I can legally hit, hit him if he goes too far. I like it. I like it. So, I know you listen, buddy, but it's like, love you, Tal, but I, I might punch you in the arm. It's okay. <laughs> but uh, there is a change now as we go to the list. We are putting someone on the list. I teased earlier about putting someone from Dolphins Twitter on the list. And I will say this. This guy is still going to go on because I, I don't know a single Dolphins 
Twitter person that likes this guy. But today you made us. No, I'm talking about uh, exclusivity.eth. Who? That his uh, Twitter handle is exclusivity e x c l u s v t y dot e t h. Never heard of this person in my life. Very known Twitter hater uh, to a hater. Does everything he can to discredit him, and he did it after oh, the game. Oh, I know who this guy is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, so he, he still has a place, and we'll get to that. But I don't watch ESPN much, but a rare clip of first take went viral against the Dolphins today, and they were talking about how Tua said in his press conference that he keeps receipts, and he was talking about how he hears all the noise. One, Shannon Sharp came out today and bashed Tua, telling him, he's not that good. Stop talking like you're a top three quarterback, because you're not. And he basically came out and said, Tyreek is the reason for Tua's success. We're not going to get into this all again, because we've seen Tyreek's numbers with Tua are way above any of his other numbers. We've seen that when Tua's missed time, Tyreek numbers with the Dolphins go down. We've seen Tua, it's not just Tyreek, it's getting a competent offensive mind and Mike McDaniel. And competent is underselling Mike McDaniel. Didn't we just beat the Jets by more without Tyreek than with him? Yeah, and Shannon Sharp's uh, response is, you just beat the lowly Jets. Well, on first They weren't the lowly Jets last week. Exactly. But First take this week was Dan Orvlowski and Damian Woody. Now, Damian Woody is a former Jet player and Patriot player, and he should have been a Dolphin, but he snubbed us for the Lions for people old enough to remember that. But he actually, well, yeah, but uh, he actually defended Tua and said the Jets may be a laughing stock offensively, but they are one of the best defenses in the league, which is true. But he defended Tua. Dan Orvlowski is a known Tua supporter, and he even said, why can't, Why are we just saying when Tua plays well, it's because Tyreek played well when it's a symbiotic relationship. They make each other better. But here's how little Shannon Sharp knows about the team. is He was downplaying Tua, talking about how he was bad before Tyreek Hill. Dan Orvlowski comes out and says, Name three wide receivers Tua had before Tyreek got there. Shannon Sharp says Waddle, who Tua had for one year. And then he says Sammy Parker. Sammy Parker? Yeah. You know, the guy at New England. Sammy Parker. Yeah. So he got Devontae Parker's name wrong. He couldn't name another guy. And you really need to look up the clip because when he only named two people, Orvlowski just did a like a little shit-eating grin, had the greatest shit-eating grin on his face and just kind of shrugged and looked at the camera like, you just made my point for you. And Shannon Sharp lost his mind. So <laughs> Shannon Sharp, you're on the list, not just because you did a an about face, because there are clips out there showing how much you praised Tua as a prospect to now talking crap about his arm strength, how he needs Tyreek Hill to be good, how he's talking too much trash when you're going on TV, just bashing him every week for on two different networks. First, he did it at FS1 where you were the 
worse the word the lesser of two talk show hosts when your co-host is Skip Bayless. That tells you about how how high quality your analysis is. To get improved wrong by your co-host multiple times. The same co-host who also dunked on Stephen A. Smith and made him have to eat his words too. So, Uncle Shannon, as they call you, welcome to the list for not just a bad take, but showing you don't fucking watch these games. So, welcome. Welcome to the list, Shannon Sharp. Yeah. So that is why this is now Sammy Parker's favorite podcast. Uh Uh-huh. So... Makes sense. Now, if you made it through the whole episode, you now have your answer to who Sammy Parker is. Exactly. And it was worth the wait. But I hope so. I do too. But we are now going on to the holiday weekend, the first of two holiday weekends in the next two weeks. Jordan, you talked about your your one article on listpodcast.com. What else you got coming for us in the next couple of days? Uh, we'll obviously have an AI article um, that'll come out at some point tomorrow um, predicting the game. I think that's a fun exercise. Um, I'll be interested because tomorrow's really the first tough game um, that I'm asking it. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what it thinks about tomorrow's game. Um, so we'll see, um, and we'll go from there. Brett, are you putting out anything on the list? I actually will be in the next couple of days. I finally got an idea. Um, I want to highlight and compare it's more for the draft, but going to compare Jane Daniels final season at LSU to that of Joe Burrows, where they both won the Heisman and both had historic seasons and just see where they compare and differ and how they may see sit or how Daniels may see a similar meteoric rise as a draft prospect that Joe Burrow saw. I like that. I like that. I think that's going to be a good deep dive. Um, it's interesting uh, because those team seasons finished so different. I'll be interested to see what you come up with. Yep. Yeah, I actually think like that's the the biggest difference is the one team went on to was arguably the greatest of all time in college football, and Jane Daniels had one of the greatest seasons statistically. And it's in the grand scheme of things going to be an afterthought. And I am curious to see if it is if it should be the case. And of course, as always, look out for Mrs. Mr. S's picks. He is 18 and 20 right now. Is that good? It is better than starting 0 and 6. That's true. He started 0 and 6? He started 0 and 6. Oh, wow. I didn't know he started 0 and 6. Yep. And, Pretty good. Uh, 18, 18 and 20 is a lot better than 0 and 6. It very much is. And of course, be on the lookout for Discord Dog Sebastian. King, I'm just going to call him King Seabass because he is 12 and 2 on his Dolphins picks this year. Um, so Sebastian is almost a guaranteed win. Almost a guaranteed win. And Seabass would probably be 13 and 1 if it wasn't for Mike McDaniel. Yeah. No, this is very true. Uh, but it is time for Mike us. McDaniel himself would say it. Yeah, no, Mike McDaniel himself even admitted to that. But it is time for us to end this episode. Hope everybody enjoys the festivities this weekend, enjoys family time, enjoys good deals at any malls or shopping you do, because there are some good deals out there. 
And above all else, be safe. For Jordan, for Zach, and for Mr. S telling me to fuck off in my DMs for mentioning his record, my name is Brett. This is The List. And remember, we are watching. Zach, hit that music. Fuck you!